What's good, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a good show here for you on this Labor Day weekend, the first weekend of the month of September, the year 2021. Get into Javi Baez and the absolute uh, mess and headline uh, stealer that is the New York Mets of the week that was in Major League Baseball. Promise you, I'll give you my two cents on the Malice at the Palace Netflix documentary I saw a few weeks back. And of course, I will get into Cam Newton getting cut by the New England Patriots and Mac Jones being named the starting quarterback for the 2021 New England Patriots and most likely uh, beyond after this upcoming season. Uh, so let's uh, jump right into it. I will get to all the NFL football for you guys next week. Uh, next Wednesday, get a huge, big, jam-packed NFL 2021 NFL uh, season preview show for y'all. Preview the Cowboys-Bucks game. Give you my season predictions for the NFL season as a whole. We do the standings, the playoff teams, the major award, the major award winners. What team's going to finish where, why, and how? Uh, Super Bowl prediction. Conference championship predictions, week one picks again, week one, and of course the week one uh, picks as well of all the week one of all the week one games taking place on uh, next weekend. So I will have you guys covered uh, as we head into is it's it's crazy that we're almost here of uh, week one of the 2021 NFL regular season with the with the added uh with the added regular season game. Which, if you are an avid listener to this program, you know I don't like. We could have done without. But anyway, but you know, I understand. You know, how can you complain with more football? But still, I'm a traditionalist, and when it comes to stuff like that, I don't like change. The way if it if it ain't broke, why fix it? I mean, the NFL was was the king of the sports landscape in in, in this country. All this time playing 16 games, and all of a sudden we got to add a 17th game, and then the whole idea, well, the, the owners with the money and everything. Oh my, I, I can't, I can't listen. I can't listen to a bunch of billionaires cry poor during a pandemic. I, I, I so it's maybe it's just me, but I, I can't do it, especially when it went out there and just signed a big fat brand new uh, t- uh contract with the with all the TV networks renewing their deals with uh with CBS Fox with CBS Fox NBC uh and and they, they even uh, gave ESPN a bone allowing them to put a huge chunk of their games uh, with the contract that I believe starts in 2022 uh, not this season but I think the year after if not 2022 and definitely 2023 uh, allowing some Monday Night Football games to be on ABC like they were back in the day and giving uh, ESPN slash ABC what they haven't had since uh, since yours truly was in diapers and that's a super, and that's a, a super Super Bowl uh, come in this uh, later on in this 2020s uh, decade, but that's not here nor there. Uh, where we begin is Javi Baez and the New York Mets, an absolute disgrace and the dumpster fire and just the headlines bonanza that was 
of with Javi Baez because because he cause he's the poster boy for this because he went went out there in front of a press conference and it's and press conference and explained why they were doing it saying he got in front of a press conference in case you missed it or just a jog in memory on Sunday after the game against the Washington Nationals saying yeah we get we, the thumbs the thumbs down little celebration that we do whenever we get on base we get a big hit it's directed at the fan base for booing the crap out for booing the crap out of us like they've had all season long which is entirely and totally justified and warranted in defense of the New York Met fans okay first off this team has underachieved and has been very subpar all season long I understand they're in first place in the in the first half of the season I get to that but they have been very 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 average at best during during their bright spots in this season you know they were they were in first they in in may in april may june and may in april may june and july this team should have ran away with the division the phillies couldn't get out of their own way their bullpen was awful harper couldn't hit his couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag eventually the pixie dust uh, ran out for the washington nationals they had to they had to sell off essentially every single key part of their 2019 championship team that was still left on the roster i.e. Scherzer and uh, Scherzer and uh, Trey Turner and also getting rid of the big bopper that assaulted baseballs uh, back in the summertime on, on a monthly occasion and Kyle Schwarber you know the Nationals uh, the, the Marlins competitive team but everybody knew good and well that their champ that their NLDS appearance in last year's postseason was fluke was a fluke and was fraudulent and they were a benefit of having the expanded playoffs in the 60 game season where everybody knew they a factor into in the 2021 regular season with the full six month 100, 162 game schedule so they have the Mets have been absolutely horrendous all season long and that is in spite the fact that the Grom when he did pitch you know we haven't seen the Grom since God knows how long but they had they had one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and Jacob the Grom towing the rubber every fifth day as the number one starter they're starting Pitching seemed to hold up a decent amount. They couldn't. They couldn't hit when Degrom pitched. Hell, they couldn't hit. Reg- I mean, getting runs out of the Mets in, in the earliest part of the season was like going through a root canal if you were a Mets fan. I mean, they, it, I mean, it was like pulling teeth trying to get runs out of them. Not to mention the back end of the bullpen with Edwin Diaz. It wasn't the most ideal situation for the ball club. But you've underachieved all season long. I understand that they've won six out of their last ten games, but so, but still that's besides the point they've been they've been crap all season long francisco lindor just signed a contract for 10 years over 300 million dollars in the earliest parts in the earliest parts of the season he underachieved they get went out there in the trade dead, trade deadline and acquired javi bias who has been absolutely inept and the new york met uniforms for the last um, for the last two months since he's been a member of their ball club so so you take all that into account on top of the fact that the Grom, their best, not not just their best pitcher, but arguably their best player on their team, is out with injury. You throw that into the equation. On top of the fact that they can't hit, and every single time Edwin Diaz goes into a game where, and when in the situation where the Mets are up by a run or two or three or hell even four or five, Met fans have to have to take the, have to check their pulse and make sure that they have their high blood pressure medicine on standby. 
So and it, so you throw all that into the equation on top of the fact that their crosstown rival in the Yankees down there in the Bronx, they look like they were dead left to rights. I mean, you you go back and check and listen to the to the shows I did all summer long, saying the Yankees are dead, the Yankees are finished, they're not going anywhere. Boom, stinks. Get rid of him, Stein, uh, not Steinbrenner, Cashman. Get rid of Cashman. Trade Judge, wholesale purge. Get everybody out. And then the Yankees go ahead and, and somehow, some way, save their season up until this point, going on a thir- going on a thirteen game win streak that that uh, that ended last weekend in their uh, West Coast trip against Oakland. And and the Met fan lives lives with that that inferiority complex and and with their franchise being being inferior to the New York Yankees because of how many times the Yankees have won. The the Yankees get more national exposure. The Yankees are more talked about among the casual baseball fan and the sports landscape in general because the big because they're the big bad Yankees with as with as much history as anybody in as anybody in the sport, one of the more storied and historic franchises in baseball. Got all the legends from Ruth from Ruth Mano, Gehrig, DiMaggio, uh, uh, um, Don Drysdale. You, you can you can go back and go uh, to um, Chris Chan- Chris Chambliss. You can go Reggie Jackson. You can go Thurman Munson, Jorge Posada, Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, uh, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit. I mean, I, you go, you, Jason Giambi. You can go on and on and on and on and on talking about the New York Yankees, and that bothers the hell out of the Met fan, and rightfully so. I'd feel the same way. So you, so you, what you have is a perfect storm, a perfect storm with the Mets playing like absolute garbage, garbage all season long. And now we're at the point in the season where, if you're a Met fan, you're sitting there saying, "All right, well, our expectations back in February and March, and when the season began on April first, is that is that we were supposed to be a team that was supposed to win our division and make a deep run in the in the National League playoffs and possibly have it and possibly if all goes right with the Dodgers and, and the Dodgers and the Padres essentially going a collision course and uh and and cannibalize each other we might be in a situation where we'll be in the World Series come late October and that's what the Met fans expectation was and that's what their thinking was especially when they went out there and traded for and assigned to this long extension of Francisco Lindor, who has many a postseason experience and has played in the World Series, and that was their expectation. On top of the fact, on top of the fact that they had a guy that hit fifty plus home runs a few uh, about a season or so about a season or so ago, wins more home run derbies than anybody that I've seen. I mean, he, I mean, I know it doesn't mean anything, but he's a back-to-back home run derby champion. He hits the ball out the ballpark nine miles. He's a hell of a first baseman, Pete Alonso. And then of course, he's sitting there and he got the best. And he got the best pitcher, arguably in all of baseball, in Jacob Degrom, and yet the team under yet the team underachieved. They blew their first place lead, and in the and in the large chunk of and I mean I understand that they you know sent in the period of time in between the bias thing and as the, at the time of this episode that you're listening to this episode, the Mets are hovering around 500. They were under 500 for a good amount of time. Like the sky was falling, and their season was on the brink of being f- finito on the New York Mets. 
So on top of that, you have the perfect storm, and then you kick into the fact that the Atlanta Braves somehow, some way came essentially came out of the pits of of their of their of their season hell, and somehow, some way came rose rose out of rose out of the ditch that they dug themselves into, like the Undertaker. I mean, you thought they were dead, and the next thing you know, they raise up fully uh, f- fully alert, watching their P's and Q's, and the and the Atlanta Braves are playing championship level baseball. Ball. On top of the fact that the Phillies and Harpers seem to get there now, they're still now they're inconsistent. So I understand that, but he, but they have started to play a, bit, a little bit better in the second half of the season. So then you got the Phillies and the Braves, two teams that you should have left in the dust. Come Memorial Day, Father's Day, Fourth of July, all of a sudden have made their way back, back up, back cream rises to the top in the in the National League Eastern Division. So you have a perfect storm on top of the fact that Javi Baez cannot hit. Francisco Lindor cannot hit. I got Javi Baez swing, swinging at 58 foot, uh, swinging, at, swinging and, and horrendously missing at 58 foot curveballs that a, that a T-ball player knows how to lay off. And it's a perfect storm and they get booed and rightfully so. And I don't care what anybody says. I want to. I don't. Don't you? Don't go anywhere near and don't use the mental health garbage. That's not fair, and I'm not going to allow people to say that because no, it ain't about mental. It's not about mental health and anxiety and all that other stuff. It's not about that. Don't go there. It, this is a results-oriented business. Like it or not, professional sports, collegiate sports. At least on the D1 level, those are result. Well, they all are, but D1, D1A level, you know, is is what makes the uh, NCAA their money. But it's a results-oriented business. Okay, when you go to a and, and for everybody, the Sarah Spains and the Michael Wilbons and all the uh, Chicago Cub lovers up there, up there in uh, Chi Town, for and every single one of you that somehow, away was on Javi Baez's defense on this. Let me ask you a question: When you go to a concert and the artist gets gets the lyrics of their own song wrong, or they screw up a dance routine. Or better yet, you go, you go to a show on Broadway and the act and the actor free and the actor freezes on stage and freezes on stage in front of fifteen thousand people and they forget their lines. You happy with that? When you when you were charged and when you were charged with an arm and a leg just for the ticket itself to, to go watch them perform live and in person. When you were charged an arm and a leg for the ticket and went through God knows whatever to get to the venue to watch them perform and 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 master their craft. How do you feel then? Get charged an arm arm and a leg to see uh, you know to to go to go watch Hamilton or or to go watch some other God forsake God forsaken play at your at your local theater or on Broadway up in New York. So we'll use Broadway because it's a, because of the New York thing on Broadway. And and if and if you don't live in New York City, God bless you, because getting because getting into New York City, not that not that I've ever had to do, not that I'm a New Yorker that I would know, but just based on hearsay, if you don't live in New York, and and depending on what day it is, getting into New York, if you don't live in New York City, is a complete pain in the neck, whether it be subway, train, whatever. Not the not to mention traffic if if you get there if you get there by an Uber or you drive there yourself. 
Are you are you supposed to are you supposed to accept the the artist the performer's garbage after you just forked over God knows how much money j just for the ticket just for the price of admission to watch him perform? Not to mention the added stuff with 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 uh, with with traveling with traveling expenses. Would you put up with that? You go over here and watch Hamilton, and somebody forgets their line. Or you go, or you go to a concert, and and your fa and your favorite artist in front of thousands of people somehow screw up the lyrics to their own damn song that they wrote, or messes up a dance routine, and everybody looks like a looks like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off running all over across the place in the stage. Would you tolerate that? If you're a person with with any standards and 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 you know how to value a dollar, you would not. You would not. And I understand that they're not machines, and that they're not just objects that not just objects with God-given ability that that sole purpose in life is to entertain people. But still, that's besides the point. You pay good money to watch people perform their craft that are supposedly professionals. You're supposed to expect you're supposed to expect a a, a good product that's gonna that's gonna make it worthwhile. They make a mistake. The Mets lose the game. You know, Javi Baez and Lindor goes 0 for 4. You know, one random night out of the season, you live with it. You're in first. You're in first place by by a dozen games. You're a handful of games above 500. Okay, I can live with that. But when you stink on a nightly and on a consistent basis, what do you expect? This is New York City. You know, this this is New York City. New York City. Not 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 all not Albany not Buffalo New York not um you know not 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 White Plains New York City New York City the second America's second entertainment capital of the world one of the biggest marquee cities in this country and if not and, and I know it is the entire world New York City. If you don't know what you're getting into when you put on a uniform playing for a New York City franchise, you need to, you need to do a little homework. Because anybody that has ever played in New York, whether it be the New York Giants, the New York Jets, the Yankees, the Mets, the Knicks, uh the the Yankees, the Mets, the Knicks, uh the new the new the New York Rangers, tough crowd. Tough crowd. You better go out there and perform and give it your all every single night you suit up or every single day you suit up or they're gonna or they're gonna let they're gonna let you hear about it. And rightfully so. This is a results in oriented business. That's how sports works. At least professional sports, that's how it works. And if Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor and all the other Met players don't like it, find another line of work. If Javi Baez is so soft and is so sensitive to the point where he can't take he can't take some he can't take some good old fashioned booing when he's hitting on the season, okay, on the season he's hitting below the Mendoza line in the New York Met uniform at two sixteen. Go back to Chicago. Go back to Chicago where you're worshipped. Where you're worshipped and loved like a like a god in that city, and I'm saying and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be, but go back to Chicago, 
where you're revered and where you're loved and where you'll never have to pay for anything again. If you want, if you want, if you want a bunch of fans to love you and adore you and worship the ground you walk on, Javi Baez, go back to Chicago. Because no New York Met fan gives a crap, could care less about what Javi Baez did in a Chicago in a Chicago Cubs uniform during the time that he was there. And no bet fan gives two horse farts about his 2016 World Series championship ring. Nobody cares. Nobody. No Met fan gives two you-know-whats about Javi Baez's 2016 championship he won with the Mets. Nobody cares. I tell you what the New York Met fan does care about in regards to Javi Baez. Hitting 216 on base percentage of 275, 16 hits, 4 home runs, 8 RBIs. He has done absolutely nothing in a New York Mets uniform. Nothing. And, and it goes for Lindor too. Mr. $300 plus million for the next decade. You know, he's getting paid over $300 million over, over a span of 10 years. Can, can Francisco Lindor bother to hit, to, hit, to hit 260? Can he bother to hit at least 260? His batting average on the season is 218. 39 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, and 11 home runs. He's getting paid hand over fist on on a on a championship contender team. At least we thought a championship contender team, and that's the best he can do. These two chumps can't even hit above the Mendoza line, yet yet they got their panties in a twist because God forbid the New York Met fan bulls them. Give me a break. My goodness gracious. Not saying you have to hit 330, but for the love of God, you're making money hand over fist. You're the highest paid player on the team, and you can't hit. Nobody cares about your stupid defense. Hit! And how about Javi Baez that get up to the plate and swing a, and, and, and swing a baseball bat like a three-year-old? Like it's the first time he's ever picked up a baseball bat in, in any setting whatsoever. Picks up a baseball bat, walks towards home plate, and does what was the literal worst swing I've ever seen on a Major League Baseball field. How about that? Instead of crying and moaning and groaning and belly aching because God forbid the New York Met fan boos you. My goodness. You under you've underachieved all season long. Your performance as a team has been trash. And Javi Baez, your career as a New York Met has been trash. I'm so sorry. And everybody coming to the fence of Javi Baez. Go shove it somewhere, will you please? My God. Again, nobody cares what he did in Chicago in 2016. Irrelevant. Want to be loved and, and want the ground you walk on? Worship? Go back to Chicago. Lindor, if you have a problem with it, go back to Cleveland. 
What you did in your previous cities is irrelevant when it comes to the New York Mets and your performance in a New York Met uniform. And I don't care what anybody says. Fans have the right to express how they feel. Sending death threats? No. Out of line. Running onto the field and act like an idiot? Out of line. Making, making, making personal attacks on their character and going after their family? Out of line. But they're the fans. Lindor ain't making three hundred plus million dollars over a span of ten years, if there's no if there's no fans, which is something that a lot of idiots that I went back and forth with, forth with on Twitter on Sunday night somehow seemed to forget. Fans are the backbone of the entertainment business. Move, I don't care what it is, movies, TV shows, plays on stage. Music, sport, professional sports, I don't care what it is. If you don't have fans, you don't have a product. They have every right, every right, along with the garbage that, it, that, it, that, it, that they have to encounter when going to a New York Mets game in Queens. They have every right to boo. If they want to, if they want to boo and say Baez, you stink, you suck. This team stinks. Y'all suck. They have every right to do so. They're fans. This is America. First Amendment, freedom of speech. And as long as they ain't not going over the line or 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 threat or threatening their uh, their safety, they got every right to do whatever they want. Every right. They want to say that they suck. Every right. This is America. They're fans. They're paying the freight. They're paying the tickets, and 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 indirectly, they're paying their salary. They have every right to, to say that. On top of the fact that, on top of the obvious fact is that they're right. They do stink. They do suck. They, as a team, have underperformed immensely. I mean, go back and look at their games all season long. Go back and when 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 the Grom pitches, getting runs out of them is like going through a root canal. And one of the main things you never ever ever do if you're a professional athlete is bite the hand that feeds and pick a fight with the fan base. You there's some things you just don't do. You don't do it. You know it's one it's like a you know it's it's it's, it's a it's a cardinal sin in sports. You don't bite the hand that feeds. And you know what Derek Jeter said in April of 2004 when he was hitting below 200? No homers in his first 17 games of 04 after the Yankees lost in the World Series to the Marlins back in the fall of 03. You know what he said when the Yankee fans, when the Yankee fans and the Bronx booed the hell out of him at Old Yankee Stadium? He said, quote, I don't blame them. This is after an 0-4 night where his average dropped to 197. We would have booed ourselves last night too. It's hard to imagine being worse than we were tonight. Put me at the front of that list. That is Derek Bleepin' Jeter, who's going into the Hall of Fame on Wednesday. Who had won more championships at that point in time in his career than Javi Baez has right now. But in the same, I know it's a different team, but same market. 
and the same kind of edgy, rough-around-the-edges fans, same story. Derek bleeping Jeter. Arguably the greatest shortstop the game of baseball has seen within the last quarter century or so that's getting inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame on Wednesday. And this is a year after he went to the World Series. Four years after he last won a World Series. And in the span, and he had just come on again. I don't need, I don't need to go through the, go through the uh, the Yankees resume at that point in time. But he was a lot more accomplished at that point in time in in his career, Derek Jeter, than Javi Baez is right now and probably ever will be. Javi Baez is no Derek Jeter. He's going into the Hall of Fame on Wednesday. If Derek Jeter's cool with getting booed and understands the frustration and the acceptable and understandable frustration with the New York City baseball fan base, what's good for Derek Jeter is good for Javi Baez. If Derek Jeter can take the booing, so can Javi Baez. And if you don't, I suggest you grow a spine, grow a pair, and if you don't want to do it, either of those two, find the first flight, whether it's LaGuardia or JFK, get with Steve Cohen, get with Sandy Alderson, get the hell out of New York City, and go back to the city of Chicago, where you can be worshipped and revered like the demigod you are in that city. Because the bottom line is, you have been absolutely pathetic, beyond pathetic, and embarrassing in a New York Mets uniform. That goes for Lindor, and that goes for every single player on the New York Mets that has spit the bit this entire 2021 season up until this point. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelic Tires podcast. Switching gears now to the NFL. 
uh, and that is the news that broke earlier this past week is that uh, quarterback Cam Newton was cut by the New England Patriots. So, and Mac Jones, the uh, quarterback out of the University of Alabama, formerly formerly a national champion, uh, has been named the starter for the New England Patriots for 2021 and beyond. Um, just to give my two cents on that, then take a break, get into the malice uh, at the palace. Uh, you know, part of at least I'll just go on how I feel. Uh, I feel bad for I feel bad for Cam Newton as far as the as far as you know I remember you know I remember you know the kind of the, his his path and the plight of his career and everything I remember the big games he played uh, in Auburn I remember coming on and being the hottest thing on the scene uh, getting drafted by Carolina leading them to the leading them to the playoffs winning division titles. I remember the 2015 season he had astonishingly well. Uh, had had the best had the best record in the NFC. Got the number got the number one seed in the NFC. You know was set was setting records and I mean on top of the fact they had a great defense as well. But had an absolutely had a phenomenal team phenomenal team, which is why he won and rightfully so won the 2015 NFL MVP and got the. Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl after beating the living crap out of the uh, Arizona Cardinals in the conference championship game the two weeks prior. But so, and then of course, you know, and how underwhelming he played in that Super Bowl. Didn't decide to dive on the on the fumble he had in the in the in the second half against Denver. He was bent out of shape in the pre, in the post game press conference. Was slouching in his chair, had the hoodie on. Walked out of his press conference in a huge uproar that that ensued. You know, had many injuries, had problems with with the shoulder. Was really never the same. Wasn't a happy ending between him, Ron Rivera, and the Carolina Panther organization. Gets cut. Is fooling around in free agency for a lot for for a long amount of time. Then all of a sudden on a Sunday night, I believe in late July is when was when it was. All of a sudden, out the clear blue sky, you had the New England Patriots sign Cam Newton to a one-year deal. Cam Newton is a New England Patriot. He technically speak he technically speaking uh, was the was the first successor to talk to Tom Brady and you know what was going to be in the twenty twenty season the first season without Tom Brady at quarterback. Uh, was was since he you know since him not being a starter since two thousand since two thousand and with him not even on the roster since nineteen ninety nine and all and all of the and the curiosity factor that ensued with that you know does Cam Newton still have something left is you know is Bill Belichick going to work his magic with Cam Newton and Cam Newton's going to revitalize his career with the New England Patriots. And you know he played. He played. He played very. You know, but then blow what then blow up the stat sheet. But played very well week one again. Played very well uh, week one against the week one against the Dolphins. And then I it was either I, I think that game was week three. It might have been week two. Might have been. I let me double check that. But I believe it was week. I believe it was week uh, three when the new when the Patriots played Kansas City, and then it came down and Cam Newton had COVID, and essentially his season was lost. And the, and the Patriots, as well as the team, were ne- were never the same after. Were never the same after that. Uh, ever since Cam Newton went down with COVID. 
in uh, in, in that highly anticipated uh, Chiefs game that had to get moved to uh, to late Monday to late Monday afternoon had to get pushed back a day. That game was uh, week four. So yeah, so I had so then again didn't blow up the stat sheet against Miami. They came within an lost by five points, but came within an eyelash an eyelash of beating the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night in week two on the road and what was arguably the best game I've ever seen Cam Newton play you know since that since his remarkable 2015 MVP season with the Panthers goes out there and just and goes out there and just balls his hind parts off I can I can I can read you the stats if you want me to but came within an eyelash of beating the Seahawks in week two got it you know it improved to two and one on the season beating the Raiders beating the Raiders on September the 27th at home and then week and then the first weekend in October week four you know Cam Newton playing arguably his best ball that he's had at that point in time in the last five years and all of a sudden he comes down with COVID and his season and his season was and his season was never the same fumble fumbled a game away November the first against Buffalo I mean he just it just was not the same and and Belichick knew that which is why he he decided to give him another chance, and then all of a sudden, Cam Newton, who who had gotten COVID, who has gotten COVID once, did not, for whatever the reason, and that's another tangent, another subject for another day, decided not to get vaccinated. Well, decisions have consequences, and your choices are going to have repercussions behind them. And uh, you know, I feel bad for Cam Newton, but in some ways, I, in some ways, you know, he 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 he. It was his own. He 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 gave himself his own demise. He provided his own demise because Bill Belichick is not under any circumstances going to be sitting on pins and needles, whether it whether it be whether it be ally in Kansas City last October and and you know on pins and needles, you know less than twenty four hours away from kicking things off against an opponent, and all of a sudden he hears whether it's whether it's in a hotel room if it's a road game or or at the or at the Patriots facility or at or at his house up in the up in the Massachusetts area wants to get a phone call or a text message or an email or via Zoom call from the uh, you know from from either Kraft the player or the Kraft Cam Newton himself or the team's athletic trainer that that in that Cam Newton can't go and can't start this week because you know because he's come down with covid when all he had to do is just take the shot and and you know take take this take the shot see if he tests pot see if he can put together a couple of neg- of negative uh, uh covid tests and he'll be and he'll be out on his merry way or just Decreasing the chances of him testing positive and getting COVID altogether by uh, by uh, by getting the, by getting the vaccine, and Cam Newton chose not to do so. So part of me feels bad for him because because it kind of feels like the beginning of the end of of what has been a electrifying and outstanding for as short as it was and a, and, and as and as brief as it was a remarkable and uh, a remarkable and a uh, impressive and entertaining career that Cam Newton put together in the National Football League as a starting quarterback you know it it, it feels like it feels like that it's the end of Cam Newton you know, if he's still going to be in the NFL for however long it's going to be 
it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be as a starter unless he meets the perfect unless he finds the perfect uh, situation. But it it kind of feels like it, that 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 him getting cut by the Patriots last week was the beginning of the end for Cam Newton for for Cam Newton's career as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Because it's sad because it's sad because you know he he's Heisman Trophy winner, uh, an accomplished. College and an accomplished college quarterback at Auburn came into the NFL, set many a records, throw the ball, could run it, built like a freaking linebacker of how big and just how athletic he and and how athletic he made the position look for Carolina. Had led the Panthers to that remarkable season, won an NFC championship, got to a Super Bowl, won the season MVP that year. I mean, he. I mean, it's so it wasn't like Cam. So it, you know, in retrospect, you're not gonna look back at Cam Newton's career and say, "Oh, he was a scrub." You're gonna look back at Cam Newton's career and say, "All right, well, he's not a Hall of Famer, but you know, you would you wouldn't necessarily you know from the outsider looking in, you wouldn't complain about Cam Newton's career. Okay, did this, did that, won an MVP, got to a Super Bowl. You know, you 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 would take that. You you know he play, you know he played for he played for the greatest coach of all time Bill Belichick you you would take that but you know for whatever the you know I, I know the reason he missed time with COVID and Bill Belichick was like well hell time time and winning championships waits for no one I still got to keep going even though well, you know while you're farting around because uh, you're stuck in limbo about getting this vaccine I still got a football team I got to put together and an opponent I got to bear for come week one Mac Jones let's go and Mac Jones and Bill Belichick's eyes played better. Than Cam Newton did in the preseason games and all throughout camp, and that's why Cam Newton's on the unemployment line, and why Mac Jones is going to be suiting up for the Patriots a week from Sunday. But I feel bad for him. Now it, it was now I think it's his own fault that he got cut, but I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. I mean. Belichick says his his vaccination status had nothing to do with it, but it had something to do with it. Because Bill Belichick did not want to sit around on pins and needles after they went through a week of practice and a week of preparation to hear to hear the news come come in on them, come in on them like a like a huge gargantuan wave on on the ocean shore, you know, and get blindsided by a phone call or a, or a notification or have someone come in his office and say, "Hey, Bill, yeah, yeah, man, what's up?" Uh, yeah, Cam Newton won't won't go tomorrow and won't go in two days because he got a positive COVID test and has and has to isolate for the next two weeks. Belichick don't want to do it. Don't want to deal with that. When 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 there's all when there's already a quote unquote cure for for the virus and for the pandemic. Last year you had no vaccine. Now you have it. No excuse. And Belichick's like hell, you know. Okay, they t- all right. I got key, and then and then he throws his whole team out of whack. He's got to throw, you know, his backup quarterback into the deep end of the pool, and and essentially has to depending on what time he were. And I understand this. Uh, this is a hypothetical, but depending on what time he got the information, you know, Newton's replacement would have X amount of time to prepare for the up for the upcoming game, and then and then you know, and then and then once you're at that point, you just throw crap at the wall and hope it sticks. But feel bad for him but it was his own fault and as far as Mac Jones is concerned 
you know, he, you know, you would. I thought, and I was not that high on him heading into the draft back in the springtime. I thought that he was just the beneficiary of having all of those offensive weapons: Waddle, uh, Devonta Smith, my guy, uh, and then of course Najee Harris running the ball out the backfield. I thought that he was just a. I thought he was just a byproduct of a of a offense that had phenomenal talent at the skill position, good offensive line, whole nine yards. And you know, and all of a sudden, you know, first year in the NFL, he earns a start. He earns a starting job playing on a team that's got the greatest that's got the greatest coach in the history of the game. So we shall see if Mac Jones is going to be the is going to be the real deal. Be- Belichick and Saban are close. They coached together uh, up up in Cleveland back in the day. You would you know, Belichick wouldn't have drafted him if say if Saban you know now if Saban isn't going to you know Saban isn't going to Bad isn't going to bad mouth isn't going to bad mouth the player he wanted that that won him a championship, but he isn't going to essentially blow smoke up Bill Belichick's booty pipe, you know, and trying to steer him wrong when they're buddies and and know and knowing how Bill Belichick thinks and knowing how Bill Belichick operates and knowing what Bill Belichick's thought process when it comes into finding a franchise quarterback and 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 building and concocting a championship atmosphere and a championship team. So I I wouldn't think that I I that now now that I'm saying it I was like eh, maybe you know when going I understand hindsight's twenty twenty thinking about what I said about him prior to the draft not thinking at all that he'd go to the New England Patriots but it, it, I you would think that uh, that Saban was was when it comes to quarterbacks especially wasn't going to steer Belichick wrong on Mac Jones but how he performs as a New England Patriot is yet to be determined. Promise you I'd give you my two cents on the Malice at the Palace documentary. You'll hear them right now. Back in a flash. I'm Intelligent TIS Podcast. Happy 40th to Queen B, Beyonce. Happy 40th. Hit it. You don't like that song. You don't like music. Chris Russo, that is for you. Oh, you sit there talking about Joni Mitchell and Crosby, Stills and Nash and all the hippie garbage you like to listen to. This song 
is an absolute classic and put some respect on Beyonce's name. Writes some music, sings, one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life, and is an absolute showman as far as her concerts are concerned. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry. Joni Mitchell. Uh-uh. Beyonce. I'll hit it! Let's go. Hard to believe she's 40. Either she's getting old or I'm getting old. My goodness gracious. Anyway, welcome back to the I'm Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to uh, I promise you all last time we chatted, I was going to give you my two cents on the Mouse at the Palace documentary um, that was on Netflix. It, it was First of all, it was an excellent documentary. It kind of had a little bit of a movie-ish feel to it. But it was an excellent documentary, totally worthwhile if you haven't seen it already. Had had unseen had footage that I've never seen as far as the newsreels and and uh, and the security footage of the palace that night uh, when that when that uh, when that uh, whole scene went down back in November of two thousand and five, I believe is when it was. Um, but uh, just to give you a couple of cents and just give you a, uh, my opinion on not on the documentary and the ev- and the event uh, and the event on its or, or and the event as well November nineteenth two thousand four so I was two I was two years old at the time so so you know I'm watching this as if I as if I wasn't on as if I wasn't on the planet at that point in time. Um, but first off, Ron, Art, Ron Artest, formerly now known, I believe, as Meta World Peace, whatever he wants to call himself nowadays, is a, is a, is one is a complete, complete, complete douchebag. Excuse my French. A comp- I mean, you you Google that word, and a picture of Ron Artest is going is going to show up. I mean, you can't find you can't find a bigger donkey, a bi- a bigger douche than Ron Artest, who just, I mean, my I understand, and he had every single right, every right. Not not a lot of people say that say it at said it at the time, and not a lot of people are probably going to say it after watching that document. He had every right to defend himself against that fan that somehow somebody made it his way onto the court that had that had a clenched fist eyeballing Ron Artest eye to eye. I get that, and he has every if he want every right, every right, and I understand why he jumped into the stands. To go confront the person that threw a cup on him. I understand. Well, it was a plastic cup. It was a plastic cup. It wasn't a glass bottle. Irrelevant. The whole point is, is that you don't throw drinks and throw things onto people, especially in an environment where you're like, hell, well, it's me, thousands of fans, and all this other stuff that he has to pass or get across on him to get in contact with me because the whole reason why fans do that crap is because of is because they have that mindset and we saw it all throughout the NBA playoffs with people throwing with somebody that threw 
uh, popcorn on Russell Westbrook, somebody that came on to the, that came on to the uh, floor on on Memorial Day uh, on Memorial Day in their playoff game against uh, against Philadelphia and the Wizards. We you know we we saw we saw the fans acting like complete idiots. The fan and, and a Knicks fan spitting on Trey Young at the Garden. We 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 saw this this similar behavior. From the from the NBA fan uh, back back in the back in the springtime during the playoffs, it's all about the mindset of I'm a fan, you're the player. I would never come up to you on the street in a public setting and do what I'm about to do to you, but I'm gonna do it here and now because I'm on television. I'm you know I'm in I'm on, I'm on television with thousands of other people. It, you know, you they don't they don't know me, so it's not like and this is the situation with the and that's and, and it kind of ties into the thing with Artez going up in the stands that you know I could do something and the player looks back and they don't know who and they don't know who did it because it's one person and a sea of people, not to mention security barricades. Fences, walls, whatever would keep me would keep the player from some house away and ever in a thousand years from confronting me of me doing something to him. And it's that mindset, it's that mindset that gives the that 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 provides the context of why that fan threw uh, threw a cup uh, threw a cup of beer on Toronto test why that fan spit on Trey Young back back in the playoffs why that fan threw a thing of popcorn a container of popcorn onto Russell Westbrook in the postseason that's why because that mindset is I'd never I'll never be man enough I'd never be adult enough to do it to you if we're in the street in a in a common area but I'm gonna do it in the confines of of you at your workplace on television in front of thousands of people and I'm going to do it so where if you have an issue with it, the worst you're going to do is, is cuss me out and point to me to get me thrown out of the stadium because there wouldn't be a chance in hell that you, that you would make it through whatever you have to get past to, conf- to, to personally confront me one-on-one. And that essentially was the attitude of, of, of the fans in that arena that night. But Ronard said, outside of outside of the most we had to defend himself, he comes he comes off terrible, terrible in this. Took to took time off because of a family death, only for a few days later to only for a few days later to find his teammates on television at some godforsaken award show. Decided to dip on his team prior to his I mean a complete mess. Complete mess. I understand people are like, well, you know, Dennis Rodman kind of was the same way. Nobody said anything. Yeah, but Dennis Rodman backed it up because he won. Ron Artest is no Dennis Rodman. You know? So don't compare it. But outside outside of, and and not everybody agreed with him going after the fans and punching that fan out there on the court. I did, and I'm still sitting there trying to tell you, Ron Artest comes, comes across in this thing, and just in the overall, and just in the debacle in general, as a complete, complete jerk. Jerk. Lied to his teammates about a family death for, him to, for them to turn on TV and find him at an award show. Dipping on his team prior prior to the season beginning, you know, to create some to make some godforsaken rap album. I mean, that's that's tough to take and tough to deal with. 
you know. Then and then and then on and then on top of all and then on top of all of that, they and and it was ignited by him, and it was ignited by him, by him. Getting get getting that getting that getting that unnecessary flagrant foul, which kickstarted the whole thing. Ben Wallace overreacting and shoving him, sparking the whole thing. Him going into the stands, igniting the whole thing with the fans. Started the whole thing. Players let bygones be bygones with the crap that he pulled in in in, in the months and in the seasons past. Let that go and said, hey, he's one of us. He's our brothers. We'll go out there and defend them and do whatever we got to do to protect our guys if we have to. And they, and, they go through, and they go through all of that. All of that on top of the fact of losing the Eastern Conference Championship to Detroit the previous season. That, the, the, the spring, the, the, the earlier spring of 04. For Ron Artest, for Ron Artest to ditch him, and 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 and, and hang and hang his team and hang uh, and hang and hang O'Neal and um, uh, Reggie Jack and Reggie Jackson, all of his other Pacer teammates out the dry. Jermaine O'Neal, all of them. Takes them through all of that just to hang them out the dry, leave them and go win a championship with with Kobe and the Lakers. I mean, that, that that's that's garbage, garbage. You know, and I found it ironic that Timothy Smith, who was director of operations at the palace, said he was going to take away uh, that idi- that uh, that idiot numbskull Char- Charlie, that got pumped, that got that got socked right in his face by Artest during the melee. So he's gonna take away his. I found that. I found that. I found that to be a bit ironic. And how in the world? How in the, and this is the most egregious thing, uh, ne- next to Artest's behavior. How in the world? And the fans, of course. How in the world were there only three policemen in the building that night? How are there, How are there only three? How are there only three cops in the building? How how was that possible? The robbery was physical and was intense as all get out. They go they went they went back and forth and were at each other's throats in the playoffs the previous spring. You you got a decent robbery here, Bruin, with te- with players that don't like each other on both sides. Early in the season, Friday night. A Friday night game, national television, rivalry game. There's three cops in the building. Why? Three cops in the building. Why? You know, and it happened after the fact, so I would say this, but. You and I'm not saying that in one correlation has anything to do with the other, but I'm just saying that the feel that I have as someone who was born after 9/11, you would think that they that events like sporting events and concerts and things of that nature would be overly occupied by police. Three cops in the building. That, that 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 ain't gonna cut it. 
you know, you, 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 I'm not even talking about the just the rightness of the fans and just the, you know, God forbid somebody would have went, would have went into the palace and done some harm. This is three years after 9/11, mind you. Three cops in the building. No, if they, if they, if they could send the Secret Service down to New Orleans for Super Bowl Thirty, and I understand it's a Super Bowl, it's, it's a much bigger and much larger event than a regular season than a regular season NBA game, but it, but it's still the same premise of making sure that you got enough security in there, where in case God forbid something pops off, the cops are right there on the scene to take care of it. But getting back to the the players itself, why Jamal Tinsley felt the need to tell Artes to get his cheap foul during that blow late in the fourth quarter, I'll never understand. And Steven and Steven Jackson say said it and put it perfectly. You know, Ron Artes does not need a reason and does not need a motive and does not need a kickstart or need permission to go crazy and act like an idiot. And and, and 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 to play reckless basketball. Why in the world would Jamal Tinsley say something so mind-bogglingly stupid like that? And look what ensued afterwards. Wallace didn't need to shove Artes when Artes had had that cheap. Go- now it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't over the top dirty. It was unnecessary. It was reckless, but it wasn't nasty. It wasn't nasty enough of a foul for Ben Wallace to come up and 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 vigorously shove Artest the way he did. Especially and the fact that the that the uh, Pistons uh, coach didn't have the wherewithal to take Wallace out of the game, knowing that, knowing that he was on edge because of the fact that his brother died prior to the game, and the fact that they were getting their behinds kicked. At home on national television, down 15 points late in the fourth quarter. Ben Wallace shouldn't have even been in the game at that point in time. I don't understand why Ron Artels felt the need to lay on the scores table. That made no sense to me. I understand that he did this thing where he counts to tend to cool himself down, but on on the scores table, I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have popped the seat on the bench. And again, back to the fan thing, the thing that made this that Artes went after the wrong fan. John Green, the coward. Yeah, that's right. You coward, coward. You punk. You chump. Sits up there and has zero remorse for what he did. Disgusting. If 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 only Ron Artest beat up the wrong guy, he I he'd be he'd be given a presidential medal of freedom. And then going back to that nincompoop Charlie faking a serious injury to get rolled away. I mean, oh my god, it was the the fan the fans acted like complete animals that night. Animals. Like they had zero home training, had zero morals, zero ethics, and zero standards. Acted like complete animals, animals that night. Animals. And why in the world that cop 
would not recognize Reggie Miller in a suit and try to apprehend him when the fans are, 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 are running amok throughout the entire arena made, made zero sense to me, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole when it, when it comes to the police because it's been because I've I've gone through that so many times it's beaten a dead horse at that point. It just goes to show you not much has changed from 2004 to 2021 unfortunately when it comes to the police and their uh, and their lack of good decision making and their poor judgment. But anyway, the and then I also saw just from an outsider's perspective the black it became a black and white race issue with the media using a lot of racist and racially insensitive dog whistles and undertones throughout their broadcast which made which made me sick and i understand why they did it because they were underhandedly putting pressure on commissioner then at the time god rest his soul david stern to lay down the law and come down with hefty suspensions which he did. But Steven Jackson, who, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not a I'm not I'm not a fan of, you know, with the stuff that, you know, with the anti Semitic stuff that he said, but comes across comes across well, very likable and very entertaining in the documentary. You feel bad you feel bad for him, uh, you know, you feel bad for him. Putting up with our putting up with our tests is crap. Getting sucked into that whole situation, having our tests ditch he and Jermaine and the Pacers the way he did. I mean, I you, you felt Stephen Jackson comes across well and and very likable in this documentary as well, and very entertaining and very uh, uh, compelling. And you can just see. From what from what he said and just his actions and his body language, that Jermaine O'Neal hasn't been the same since that night. And you get the overall feel in the documentary that, and it now it's from a a Detroit, not Detroit, a Indiana Pacer perspective, but you get the feeling that you get the feeling that there's more to the malice at the palace than what was shown on television and that what people who were alive to see it at the time knew about which is why they, which is why you had which is why you had the night you know you had the audios of the 911 calls and the and the videos of the cops pulling up at the arena and scrambling all over the place and the security footage and Breaking down the picture frame by frame of the of the punk that threw the cup at Ron Artest, which, which is why which is why you have all of that to debunk the narrative that that essentially the players were the bad guys, and and you know and and the fans essentially were the were the victims of a bu- of a bunch of crazy deranged black guys have you know caught up in a street fight in the middle of an NBA game. And and, 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 and and you get that feeling that that documentary debunked that crap. Because it sure didn't my eyes. Because the fans were, were, were absolutely disgraceful. Their behavior that night was disgusting. And one other thing. 
if you want to be, if you want to have some credibility when it comes to the documentary, you can't have Tim Donahue, the uh, official that rigged games and and get and gave betting tips when it came to point spread and who was going to win everything. You, you can't you can't have the disgraced former convict Tim Donahue in a documentary when he was responsible for his fishy behavior with officiating games. I understand he officiated the game that night just just by just by uh pure irony and happenstance, but you can't have him in the documentary. You just can't. Can't. But if you haven't seen it already, you won't you won't be disappointed. Whether you whether you recall seeing the Malice at the Palace live or not, if if you're if you're into basketball and you love documentaries that 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 one is a mu- that that one is a must see, must see. It was excellent, excellent. And one last thing before we say before we say good night on the premise and on the subject of uh, NBA basketball, uh, you know, can Ben Simmons perform in the playoffs and you know and, and get the 76ers to an NBA Finals before he starts making demands that he wants out of Philadelphia? You know, I read I read earlier this week that Ben Simmons has had enough. He wants out of Philadelphia. My goodness, you know, how about you make a layup or how about you make a free throw? How about you make a layup? How about you slam in the basketball when you're underneath the basket in a in game seven of a playoff game, Ben Simmons? Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Please. Your performance in the postseason, again, I, I, I said it ad infinitum, I said it back in the springtime, and I'll say it again. Your performance in the postseason is one of the worst I have ever seen in my years of watching NBA basketball. The One of the worst playoff performances I have ever seen in my life. Ever seen. And how about... Ben Simmons swallow his pride and go back and watch. I believe that was that was the seventh game in that series. Well, yeah, I, yeah, it was the seventh game against Atlanta in your building, where you passed up a wide open shot because for whatever the reason you couldn't put the ball in the freaking hoop, where you couldn't make a free throw off the fate of the universe depended on it. Win something before you start making demands. I got to listen to Ben Simmons now. Oh, he's not contending once out of Philadelphia. Oh, give me a break. Win something first. Show up in the postseason. Find a jump shot for the nine millionth time. Don't get me started on Ben Simmons again. I'll have a, I'll, 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 I'll lose my ever-loving mind if I get, if you get me going on Ben Simmons again. My, Mississippi making, making demands. He hasn't won anything yet. Freaking point guard of the National Basketball Association and can't even make a free throw. Passing up jump shots inside, and in Game Seven of a home playoff game. In front of I Allen Iverson in, in in front of Allen Iverson and them. 
Don't get me started. I, sw I swear to you. Do not get me started. My goodness gracious. Anyway. That's your show. Hope you have a happy and a safe and healthy Labor Day weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Wednesday to preview the 2021 NFL season. It's your boy, Jay Shields. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it, T-I-S. And the show on Instagram at Amatel it underscore podcast. It's your boy, Jay Shields. I will talk to you Wednesday. Stay safe. Get vaccinated if you haven't already. See you.